So I am particularly very grateful to be speaking to Milestones, even though I've never been. Um, uh, I have two people in my life, my litter mate, <clears throat> who went to Milestones. That's how I knew about it. Uh, and then also when my litter mate came out, um, I called and worked with Nikki for my own uh, food plan because at the time I was really struggling with sugar addiction. Uh, and then when I was uh, Bonnie's sponsor and we sort of came to the conclusion that she actually needed inpatient treatment, I knew about Milestones. So that's, uh, so I am actually very grateful to Milestones and this is the one that I send everyone to because of how it supports 12 step. And, and I'll, and I'll get to that. I'll explain that. That's why I'm here. Um, so, you know, I'm a dull child of an of two alcoholic parents. Uh, I ended up in 12 step recovery for, for Al-Anon uh, and adult children. And then uh, I was in another program just learning how to do money, actually. And uh, my friend in that program, she started asking me questions and about like why I didn't like to go shopping, which interestingly enough, and how come I only went shopping once a year? And I was like, because it's torturous for me. And I don't like to see my body in a full-length mirror. And that's what led me to OA. She took me to my first OA meeting. And then I have been in recovery uh, in 12-step meetings the entire time. And so I, I don't, and this, what, I'm, what I like about this uh, ask to speak is you're not asking me to tell my my 12-step story or my story about what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. My understanding is you're asking me why I continue to go to 12-step. So uh, there's a couple of reasons. Um, you know, I'm going to use an analogy. And, uh, and so the analogy that I use is um, getting... Uh, hit by a Mack truck like you get into a horrible accident and and it's really bad and you end up in ICU so the the level of the hit is so bad that you're in ICU and let's say that you're in a full body cast in ICU so there's ICU which would be intensive inpatient and then just as you were starting to heal and things were kind of healing, you would shift out of inpatient into outpatient. But the whole time as you're shifting into outpatient, because there are things broken, you would have a therapist, you would have, you know, uh, a trainer, you'd have all these people trying to help you get back to a place of mobility. So you'd be in there for a long time. And then as you're an outpatient, uh, so you're still spending your whole day in the hospital, but you're not sleeping there. And then from there, you sort of start to go to maybe where they're saying, hey, you're doing pretty good. Um, you don't really need to 
to come to um, outpatient five times a week. Let's let's do three. Let's do two. Now, here's the thing that I, as a person who has sponsored many people, is I mean, so many people. You would not expect someone who had been through that kind of experience that when they left, even the outpatient, when they left outpatient, that they that everyone would look at that person, all the doctors would look at that person, and the person looking at themselves would be like, okay, great, now that I'm finished with outpatient, I'm going to go back to having just a normal life. You will never go back to having a normal life. What you can do is if you, like literally if there's a person who just was like got discharged from outpatient, they're like, okay, well, you're able to move enough. We've taught you stuff. We've whatever. Like that person would need support. That person, and also it's really hard. Again, I want to keep this to this analogy if that person walked and all of a sudden there were many things that person couldn't do anymore. And because of that, there would be that compare and despair. And also there would be, this isn't fair. Why did I get hit by a Mack truck? And so then you'd get resentment, guilt, shame, all of that. And that person is walking around the post effect of getting fucking blindsided and trying to just create a normal life. Now, here's the thing. Someone says, wow, you're really still angry about this, you know, car accident. You should go see a therapist. It's like, okay, great. So now he's going to go see or she's going to go see a therapist and talk about the feelings. And I'm not saying that's not valuable. I have been in therapy for decades. It is valuable. But when the when she leaves the therapist office, she's still walking around feeling different than everyone else. And a good definition of shame is less than. So this person, this woman be, with the car accident feels that because she was in a car accident, and she doesn't have the same mobility as everyone else. And because she has to do a lot of physical therapy and because she has to do exercises every goddamn day and because she can't do the things that she other, she thinks she's less than. That is such a shaming way to live. Now, here's the beautiful thing that I have found in 12 step is it is a little literal physical location that I can go to and meet other women who have been blindsided in a car accident and have had to be in a full body cast and when and I men and women and when I do that I am no longer feeling less than I don't feel less than the people that I am talking to and I'm also talking to people who understand that it takes 18 professionals to get me out of bed in the morning and want to live the life I'm living. And we can make jokes about it, you know, and 
and when I spend time with those people, it re so the antidote to shame is empathy. So now I'm in a room full of people, different ages, different orientations, different ethnicities, different body types, different everything, who can relate to the experience that I've had. It's a little bit like girl interrupted, like life interrupted. I hit a bottom with something that was so bad that it was like getting hit by a Mack truck and my life was just flatlined. And I have to start to rebuild my life again. So that that is the practical reason for 12-step. Is that you will find people like you. And not everyone's gone to treatment. You know, you're not necessarily going to find you know, people who've gone to treatment, let alone milestones, you will find some people who went to treatment. But again, that's why it's good to kind of stay connected. Maybe <clears throat> I saw on the website that there's an alumni group. It's like, great. You know, however, here is a constructive criticism that I have for treatment centers that don't encourage it doesn't have to be 12 step, there may be other, is that it's kind of like, I feel that the goal should be to help this person develop a life that they want to live and to be able to achieve just some normal goals and independence. And I think that treatment centers can be very codependent if they're not supporting that process. So it would be like a therapist who never wants you to stop coming into sessions because the relationship, you know, is just a little like, oh, I need you to keep coming. I, that kind of therapist is like, I don't think you can go out in the world and live. So I have to always be seeing you. So again, if we go back to the car analogy, that would be like the intensive care unit nurses and the outpatient nurses wanting that person to constantly come back into the hospital. I personally feel, and this is my opinion, that when they leave hospital, when they do, it's like, well, actually there are not in the hospital, out there, there are people who can help you with all the tools that you need to learn. And, and that creates more of a sense of independence. Again, I have a controversial opinion, but that's just my opinion. It doesn't mean I wouldn't go back to the treatment place and do service because if it wasn't for those intensive care unit nurses, I'd be fucking dead. So don't get me wrong on that. I'm just talking about the stages of trying to help someone get to a place where, and, and I have to tell you, I'm coming up on 30 years in October, where we can hit our most achievable, highest gold medal Olympic goal, which is I pass for normal. When I am out in the world, no matter where I'm at, I have learned tools, skills, 
boundaries, behaviors that in no way allude to the amount of fucking therapy and 12-step recovery and woo-woo body fucking acupuncture, you know, I mean, just the full-time job my recovery required of me. Now, if I spend too much time out there, which I don't because I just don't, then I will start thinking like, oh, she can just do that. She can just have a piece of cake. Oh, he can just, you know, I don't know what else, spend $100 a day. Like, it starts to make me think I am normal. And here's here's a really good, I, another analogy, because one of my sponsees has cerebral palsy. And um, and for people who don't know, it doesn't affect her intellect at all. It, it, affects, her, it affects her muscle coordination. So she walks uh, a little uh, funny. But she can walk. And there are, t- I mean, she's living a full life. And then things will happen where sh- she can't do what other people are doing. And those are hard times for her. And she- But she gets to call me and we get to talk about that. And because I understand and 12-step understands, like, you know, we pass for normal, but there will be things that I just can't do. So that's why I think 12-step programs, they're free. No one's selling you anything. You can find them freaking anywhere. I mean, pick a program. You know what I mean? I like to remind my sponsees that you did not develop an eating disorder in a vacuum. So I promise you that in some way you uh, you qualify for adult children of alcoholics slash meaning or dysfunctional families. I like to add slash very loving crazy people. You know, it's like you can find a program that you can meet other people. I do, however, really think that if you have an eating disorder, you need to go to an eating disorder. And I did a little research, and uh, there are one, two, three, four, five 12-step programs uh, for eating disorders. So, you know, pick one. And they're apparently all really different. I, I personally think that if you are anorexic, you are going to get the best 12-step experience uh, in ABA only because um, ABA was founded by uh, an anorexics and it specifically targets anorexics and bulimics. Whereas in OA, which is the program that I'm in, you will find, I'm bulimic, you will find anorexic bulimics, but uh, the approach is very different. And I've read the ABA uh, book and I incorporate that book into everything um, I do and into my sponsees. So I don't want to switch programs, but right now I'm on a kick of like reading other programs literature. EDA is my newest one. There's so much about that program that I also really like. But again, I um, there aren't a lot of EDA pro- meetings here. Um, I'm already very invested in OA. I'm, I've done a lot of service in OA. That's where all my peeps are. 
But what I found in EDA is they're actually doing a lot of the things that I do. And so in OA, abstinence is a really big thing and you count time. In EDA, they don't do that. And I'm like, thank fucking God. You know what I mean? But that's, you know, so you take what you like and you leave the rest. That's another thing. So I'll get to now, like, the practical side of going into 12-step. So I was very fortunate. So when I went into 12-step, it was in uh, like in the early 90s and it was in the San Francisco Bay Area. I did not even know that God was a part of 12-step because no one used that word. We used the word higher power, which was fine. I was just like, whatever. So if I had walked into at you know, 23, 24, 20. If I had walked into a 12 step and it said, God, I would have walked the fuck out because I had very adverse experiences about that. So I always think that the greatest, one of the greatest gifts I've got, I I got was going into a particular fellowship where everyone just said higher power. So I um, sponsor uh, Christians, I've sponsored a Muslim. Uh, I personally am a non-denominational pagan heathen Buddhist. Um, So what I like about 12-step is even though they use the word God, when you, if you're in the right area, and this really is about being in the right area, if you go to a meeting, you will quickly learn that God could mean good orderly direction. God could mean group of dames, group of drunks. It's just a placeholder. That means you believe in something greater than yourself. So my higher power is love. And so I think of that as like, which it is, um, like that is the guiding principle of all of my life. Like what would love do here? And love is connection and fear is disconnection. So... If I'm asking myself, what would love do here? Then I'm asking myself, how do I stay connected here? How do I stay connected to myself, my body, and uh, and my loved ones? If I do that, I am in the solution. If I don't do that, if I opt for disconnect, that's where the disease lives. The first thing the disease wants to do is the disease, and by disease, I mean eating disorder, the disease it's like, it's, it's a perpetrator and all perpetrators, the first thing they want to do is get you alone. So they want to separate you, disconnect you from anything that could protect you. So I think of that. So that's an example of like, that's my higher power. I have a sponsee, her higher power is kindness. I mean, you get, you know, and this again, like, this is what I like about the EDA. They, they don't use the word God. As far as I know, they use higher purpose, higher power, or higher purpose. So there are a lot of good things. So I want to add one more thing, which is, because I could talk on this subject for hours. Um, I had crazy, loving, alcoholic parents who... Um, did not spend a lot of time uh, teaching me what the rules are. 
So I always joke about how, like, I was someone who ran with scissors, and those were the only kind of friends I made. Like, if you weren't running with scissors, I wasn't really interested. You were boring to me. So for me, I learned all of the fucking things that a parent, a healthy, emotionally intelligent, well-adjusted parent should teach a baby coming into the world. You know, here are principles to live by. Oh, when you get upset and you have big feelings and you don't know what to do with them, I'm gonna sit with you and I'm gonna show you how you emotionally regulate through people and not through substances. Um, And boundaries taught me boundaries, how to be nice to people. It taught me all of the tools that I didn't get growing up at home. And it's not because my parents were mean people. They were just narcissistic alcoholics who were too self-involved to really kind of put that. It was, it's a family disease. It wasn't personal to me. So that is where I think Bonnie, because I, I said recently that I was watching, and I, I know the time, oh, and I was watching a really great like 10 minute video on um, attachment styles. And I can, I think Bonnie has it if you're interested. It's great. It's one of those 10 minute videos where the little cartoon, and it talks about like what creates secure attachment. And the gist of it is, that no matter what the child does, the child can look behind and know that their parent is there, that they can go to any time and get emotional support and get a sense of belonging and safety and love and care and all of that. When I watched that, which was just a couple weeks ago, I realized that I developed secure attachment with 12-step because no matter what is going on in my life, there is a place that I can go where I can speak my truth and I can say whatever I need to say, even if it's completely unpopular. You know, I, I, have, a, I have a place to land. I have a place to land and I have a place of rest And I have a group of really amazing women who can support me as much as I support them. So again, there's a practical part of it that it will actually just make your life easier. So I'm going to go ahead and end there and just, you know, see if you guys have any questions or anything. Thank you. Anybody? Anybody? So Nicole, so for you, when 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 you have like an issue that you find unmanageable in your life, you are speaking to um, people in like your fellows that you call are in OA or are they in ACA or? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, I had to get to a point where I was like, I need to narrow this shit down. So my. You know, I don't know if you guys saw 28 Days with Sandra Bullock, but, you know, it's kind of like if if someone gave you a tray of all the different ways that you could escape and disassociate, 
you know, what would be your first go-to? My first go-to would be cake. If cake was on that tray, I would not see anything else. And also, I think that my eating disorder started so young that part of the reason why I never hit bottom with drugs and alcohol and anything else is because as soon as it started getting a little crazy, I could stop. And the reason I could stop was because I always had the food. So when I kind of put that together, I understood that my primary addiction, and not everyone likes that, eating disorder, addiction, disease, whatever, my primary core trauma response, which is another fucking way to describe it, was to go to food. And then with um, ACA, I'd done a big chunk of ACA, and so I... I don't go to those meetings anymore, so I go to Al-Anon. And here's why. Al-Anon, some people do CODA. I relate more to Al-Anon. It's more applicable to me. Al-Anon is about my relationships today in present time. So I'm in Al-Anon because I like to attract loving, crazy people still. So I need, you know... Like now it's my boss, who's a genius and amazing and a workaholic, like full-on workaholic. So now I'm in Al-Anon to talk about my boss and setting boundaries and not having unreasonable expectations and, you know, and that's what's happening present time. ACA helped me understand how did I get here? Why am I someone that has an eating disorder and seems to attract brilliant, crazy people. Like, how did that happen? And that's what the ACA sort of filled in. So my two programs that I actively work are Al-Anon and OA. But that's because I've done my time in ACA. So I have sponsees now where they're all in OA. That's where I do the most service. That's where I sponsor. And then we'll hit a point, like after they've gone through the steps once, I literally will be like, welcome to ACA. And we start going in that direction. So I personally think that whatever program you're in, you have to deal with the substance addiction first and really get support on that before you start doing really any ACA where I, that's again, my opinion. Um, so I don't know if that's, that was probably too long of an answer, but. That's a great answer. And do you currently, like way measure your meals? Is that your um, abstinence plan? Like it's my food plan. So um, again, I really like EDA. They don't believe in abstinence in terms of like counting days. I myself and many old timers in OA also do not agree with how abstinence is being used in OA. So I'm in OA and I'm disagreeing with this. So what I, um, I, this took a lot of pain and trial and error. So I realized that for me, I, I have been, I have done the research and it was very painful. I am absolutely a sugar addict. 
And I actually did uh, some literature research and it turns out that sugar addiction, which is more powerful than cocaine, that they found a link between sugar addiction and alcoholism. And that makes total sense because in my family, extended family, you're either really into food or you're really into alcohol. So that, in, for me, that is a yes, no abstinence. So that is part of my abstinent definition. I'm also a bulimic. So that's a yes, no behavior. Like that's something that I don't want, like, I don't want to be a little bit bulimic. I don't want to be, you can't. That's, I'm not realizing how powerful this behavior is if I think that I can negotiate with that. So I do have a hard line there, but that is it. That is the only hard line that I have. So what I like to think of it is like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, there are pictures of, you know, when people thought the earth was flat and there were edges, you know what I mean? Like you're going to fall off the planet. Like if I eat sugar, I'm going to fall off. You know, if I binge and purge, and for me, it's bulimic behavior, no binging, purging, uh, restricting, laxatives, crazy exercise. So bulimic behavior. Um, that's me falling off. Like I am now going to go into a shame spiral that I think I can control and get out of, which will just keep me in there longer. But imagine that big, huge field. There's a lot there. So in the beginning, when um, Amy came out of Milestone, I did do the way it measured with her. For me, I, can't, I was a compulsive overeater, and so I didn't diet when I was younger. I just ate whatever the fuck I want. So in the beginning, I did weigh and measure because I didn't know what a serving was. I honestly didn't know what a serving was. I didn't know, like, this is what I was talking about, like, how to have a balanced, healthy meal. I didn't know. Um, I still uh, weigh and measure today, but I, I want to explain why. Because I have a lot of sponsees who don't. For me... This is particular to my disease, so not everyone has this. When I don't weigh and measure, my brain each day, it could be, oh, I didn't eat enough. I really should eat a little bit more. So it'll go that way. Or I'll restrict and not know and, and justify it. When I weigh and measure my food, this shuts up. There's no conversation going on. So for me, you know, I don't have any trauma. Like I said, I didn't diet and count calories and do all that. So I don't have that association that's kind of triggering for people. Um, but that's me. Like, I don't, I think I'm the only one. Yeah, I think I'm like, I don't think any of my sponsees or my, they weigh and measure. You know, because they did have that background and it's triggering for them. So for me, it makes it, it gives me a sense of peace because there's no conversation about if I didn't eat enough or if I ate too much. Thank you. Anybody else have any questions? No, yes, maybe so. No? 
How many sponsors do you have? It sounds like you have a lot. <laughs> I, you know, um, so I have a lot. At one point, I had 13, but I don't do that anymore. I Here's a, you know, I went to uh, Berkeley as a math major, and I came out a women's studies major. My calling in life or the thing that gives me the greatest joy is empowering women. And because of my family background, I knew I did not want to have any kids. I just was like, no, it's, you know, it ran in the family until it ran into me. So the idea of working with, you know, women and has been my whole thing. Like if I wasn't in 12 step doing this, I'd probably you know, be at Girls Inc. or something. So it's it's definitely a calling and a passion for me. Right now, I don't have 13. That was like when I realized like I couldn't do 13. Um, I think I have eight now and one of them's virtual. So. Nicole, can I just tell your location? Is that okay? You mean Portland, you Oregon? Oh, shoot, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Portland. I finished Portland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I moved up to Portland in 2009. So, I have yeah. a question. So, uh, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Is there, does mm-hmm. anyone have any uh, concern or fear about? walking into a 12-step meeting or any resistance is it... does anybody have any fear or resistance to walking into a 12-step meeting yeah okay anna sophia has some fear so what is it yeah. so i think it's kind of like fear of having church or religion for example that I'll walk in and be brainwashed and told that this is the way and I'm actually just crazy and don't even know it. That's kind of my fear in general for signing on to like uh, a plan like uh, measuring my food. Like I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of, you know, being taught this thing and it's like, yes, this is good dude. And I'm actually just walking around with the same problems. Great. So let me address a couple of those. Uh, I, was able to do 12 step because there are no authority figures in 12 step. Uh, No one can kick you out and no one is in charge. It is completely peer based. And if you get a sponsor who tells you things that you don't like, you can fire that sponsor. So you have full autonomy. Now, a lot of reasons why people don't like that is because there's too much freedom. So I had a friend who had to go to FA where they're very rigid because she needed that. If you put me in there, I would be cussing everyone out. Like, don't fucking tell me what to do. So that's why I'm in OA. She, if you give her an inch, she, she will take a mile. So she has to be an FA where they're very strict about you do this, you do that, and that's okay. Um, But again, I I hear your trepidation, 
And that's why I think 12-step is part of the stages. You know, if you're going in treatment, you're in treatment full time, then you kind of move out of treatment, you're going and you're moving out. And then, you know, as you kind of start to get, you know, older and older, you know, whatever, then a peer support will be helpful. But think about that. Like if you need someone to hold your hand and really keep you on task, then you need to know that about yourself. So that if you come into 12-step and you look for a sponsor, then you look for a sponsor who's going to sponsor you that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas if I you... I guess also you brought... Well, I was just going to say, and if you don't like that, then don't find a sponsor like that. You have so much autonomy on how often you go to... You know, you just have full autonomy no one tells you what to do. However, that means that it is all self-motivated. You have to want recovery and you have to be willing to try someone else's way. But keep in mind, you can fire your sponsor at any time. You can just say, this isn't working for me. And you don't have to leave the program. You just are like, this isn't working for me. I need to find another sponsor. And no one can kick you out. And no one can tell you what to do. No one can say, like, you need to do that. No one. It is pure peer support. And you either decide to do something or you don't. I have someone who's all they do is come to meetings. That's the only thing they do. They don't do anything else. And, you know, quite honestly, I'd rather have her be in OA where she at least knows there are others like her than not be in OA and feel less than. So if she's going to keep eating, fucking just be in the program. So at least you're not alone with the feelings you have about your eating and your body. Mm -hmm. Another question, if you have something else, but that, yeah, thank you for that. I also wrote down the, that you have full autonomy, and I think I also fear that because I've been struggling with binge eating, and like, my first day here, I ate the, the, the food plan, but then when I was trying to fall asleep at night, I felt this such, such intense hunger, and you know, we're told here that our body like mimics that sometimes, you know, and I just, I fear... I fear like trust. I don't know. I fear my body. I don't feel like I can listen to it or trust it. And but and so maybe that's what I need right now, like structure. But I, I guess I just fear never even getting to a place where I can just be free. I hear you, and I think that's a really good valid fear. I definitely know you're not the only one who has that. Um, I think that with the night eating, I also that's another reason why I way and measure my food is I had an experience of this was years ago this was I don't know like 20 years ago where um, I ate the same thing every day and then one day you know I was driving and I had intense hunger pains I was like I am starving and I knew it couldn't it didn't make any sense because I ate the same thing every day I had just had my lunch an hour ago 
So I was smart enough to pull over on the side of the road and I made an outreach call. And I had no idea like what, what, so I started talking and then through talking to this woman on the phone, I got in touch with something I was upset about that I didn't even know I was upset about. So now, ever since then, I've learned that when I have hunger pains and I know that it's not because I haven't eaten, I know that my body has developed a Pavlovian response to when I'm in fear. So growing up, if I was anxious or afraid and I didn't have anyone that I could go and take those feelings to, I took them to the food and I would eat and I would feel better. So now I have created that sort of automatic link between I'm uncomfortable, I'm in fear, where's the food? So when I stop doing that, I, I have to learn a new behavior. My sponsor used to say to me, at some point, Nicole, you have to put the f- food down and be willing to feel uncomfortable. So until you're willing to do that, you're always going to be reaching for the food. So, you know, nighttime eating is a big thing, you know, in the rooms. So it's a question of like, okay, you know, one of the things, for example, if you were my sponsor, I'd be like, well, I don't have any experience with nighttime eating. Let's see if we can find someone who does. So first of all, like someone who has a similar experience And then I, you know, I could say, well, let's see what this person, how this person has recovered from nighttime eating. What did they do so that they no longer do that? And that's what's great about the peer support is I can find someone who used to do what I did and they're not doing it anymore. And I'm like, how did you get from here to there? And if you do need accountability, you can just find yourself a tough sponsor. You know, you can just go in the rooms and just be like, I need someone who's going to, you know, hold my feet to the fire because I'm afraid if I have too much freedom and they'll be like, oh, okay. And then hopefully the sponsor will say, you know, I'm not really good at that. You might want to call Nicole, but I think she's not full or think she's full. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, you know, there, yeah, I mean, I, I, my life was saved by an AA sponsor, and I wasn't even in that program, but she sponsored me like AA, and I really needed that in the beginning, because the, the sugar and the bulimia, I'd hit such a bottom that I, it was horrible, and so out of desperation, I intuitively asked this woman, and she didn't know anything about food or sugar addiction, and she said, okay, you know, and she treated me like, and even I have totally so- softened that program and people still call me the scary sponsor. I'm like, please, you know, so. Thank you. I have another question. Yeah, I have another question. Yeah, I have another question. So uh, um, the, I keep hearing the, the willingness to feel uncomfortable. And I, while I understand that, I guess, my mind wants clarity on like when I hear the word uncomfortable in like actually uncomfortable situations where 
it's something that is crossing a boundary and doesn't feel safe versus the discomfort that needs to be felt. So um, that's a great question. That's a great question. So if I'm in a situation and my body is signaling to me, this isn't good. I absolutely need to pay attention to my body because if you're raised in a crazy family or you're raised with people, my experience is you can be in a really uncomfortable situation and people are telling you everything's fine. And part of you knows like that's bullshit. Everything's not fine. So now you're left with just feeling uncomfortable when everyone around you is gaslighting and saying, this is what a family looks like, or this is what a relationship looks like. And again, so then we eat the food. We turn to the food. So now that you have some autonomy in terms of being an adult, you can be in a situation and your body could be telling you, I don't think this is a good situation. Now your codependency comes up. Now your relationship issues come up. And that's why I go to another program because it's about what am I going to do in a situation, maybe it's a partner, maybe it's my best friend, maybe how am I going to handle that I don't like what's happening here? I need to learn skills. If the skill is like, you know, this is making me uncomfortable, but not everyone can say something out loud, you know? So maybe the skill is, someone told me this once, like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom to get away from the situation so I can make a call and say, I don't like what's going on right now. So in that sense, your discomfort is letting you know that you don't like what's happening. And you can, you know, make an excuse to get out of the room, make a call and have someone hopefully, you know, kind of guide you like, well, here's, here's something you could do. Tell them that, you know, you're in a family, whatever. I don't know. Now, the other thing is, is that if you're, alone or if you're in a situation and you're feeling uncomfortable and you're like there is nothing is going on like there's no outside reason so for example you with the night eating right like you're just laying in bed you're not in a situation that your body is telling you like there's danger in this room you're alone with yourself so Chances are that behind the feeling of discomfort, you're feeling discomfort. Well, behind that feeling are feelings you don't want to be feeling. And so you'd rather just feel uncomfortable. So one of the things that I do is when those things come up is I put my hands on my body and I just start taking deep breaths. And I tell myself that, you know, I'm safe. Now, this sounds kind of woo-woo, whatever, but it works. You know what I mean? Like, and I just try to calm myself down. And I say, you know, if this is important, I'll, I'll sort of think about this tomorrow. But right now, I have to fall asleep. You know, I need, now is not the time for me to start emotionally processing my whole life at 11 o'clock at night. Do you get what I'm saying? But I'm I'm naming it. I'm naming it what it is. I'm feeling uncomfortable and hungry because there are feelings that I don't want to feel. Okay, I get it. I get it. I, I can't be doing this right now. 
I'm gonna just try to calm my nervous system and activate my vagal nerve and just take deep breaths because on a practical level, I have to sleep. And when my sleep goes, my recovery goes. Like I need that foundation. So you guys, I'm, I'm gonna have to wrap this up. Does anyone have any last? Anybody have anything else? No? All right. Thank you so, 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 so much. It was great to see you. I appreciate you very much. Thanks for being here.